back to Curious Clinicians, a medical podcast that asks why. I'm Hannah Abrams, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Avi Cooper and Tony Brew. Hey, guys. Hey, Hannah. Good to see you guys. All right. So on this episode of the podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. Usually, we talk about questions and theories that other people have examined, synthesized, and we sort of put them together into a story. But today, we are going to examine an original medical history theory that Avi came up with about Abraham Lincoln and a possible genetic syndrome that he may have had, which he outlined in a tweetorial back in 2019. So as always, when we discuss theories and hypotheses on the show, these are opinions and certainly not proven facts, but we hope that you guys enjoy the discussion. So Avi, to start, how did this start? We'll start at the beginning. Now, there, you know, there are certain figures in history whose health has fascinated medical historians and have engendered a lot of speculation. On this show, we've discussed Van Gogh and his affinity for the color yellow. That was back on podcast episode four. Others that come to mind are Beethoven and what may have caused his deafness. What did Mozart die of? What did King Tut die of? Adam Rodman has done some amazing sleuthing on his pod- podcast, Bedside Rounds. But you know, Lincoln is one of those figures, particularly what, if any, honestly, what you know, he may not have had a genetic syndrome, but if he did, what genetic syndrome might he have had? And that's led to numerous theories being proposed and described over the last you know, 60 or 70 years or so. But there's usually some compelling reason why we look at a historical figure. There's something medical going on, like JFK, I think people know, oh, he had Addison's disease, and that's something that sort of people bring up. Why has Lincoln drawn so much attention, other than the fact that you know, he was an amazing president? Is it because he's just also a really tall guy? Like, what, like, what is it about him? That's a really great question. Lincoln's physical appearance was felt to be notable even in his own time when he was alive. And perhaps because he was this historical figure of such titanic importance, he continued to draw attention even after his death. And William Herndon, who was a contemporary and actually later wrote a biography of Lincoln, wrote that his morphology so to speak, in 19th century terms, his morphology deserved a medical theory to explain it. And like you said, his height for one, he was considerably taller than most people alive in the 19th century at six foot four. But as we will see, he also had other physical features that he himself and some of his blood relatives had that suggested perhaps something syndromic. But honestly, the point is well taken. This episode is really about one potential genetic syndrome that he might have had if he had one at all. But it's also entirely possible that he was just a really tall guy without any more explanation needed. Yeah. His morphology deserved a medical theory to explain it is like a heck of a thing to say about the president. <laughs> I mean, Avi, aren't um, you 6'4"? I am, but the average height now is so much higher right, and taller. And so I, I think at the time, you know, he's he was considerably taller than the average yeah. person. No, in a yeah, future we episode, like- we'll try to explain Avi's abnormal height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably like a lot more milk available these days, I suppose. Though, you know, I'm certainly nowhere near 6'4". So- Acknowledging that there may have been absolutely nothing going on with Abraham Lincoln uh, from a genetic perspective, what are kind of some of the theories, what is out there about what may have caused his impressive height? The original theory and the one that's perhaps 
been the most often invoked is that he may have had Marfan syndrome, which is an autosomal dominant genetic connective tissue disorder. In 1964, a physician from California named Harold Schwartz published a paper in JAMA arguing that Lincoln actually had Marfans. And the initial idea came from an examination of one of Lincoln's distant relatives who happened to be a patient of Schwartz's. And so the patient was a male descendant of Mordecai Lincoln, who was Abraham Lincoln's great great grandfather. (laughs) So pretty distant, but there was a blood relationship there. And this patient in the 1960s had arachnodactyly, which is sort of the medical term for very long fingers and hands. And Harold Schwartz felt like that was probably a sign of Marfan syndrome. And he looked backward and said, hey, that's also probably what Lincoln had too. Okay, so maybe a a relative of Lincoln could have had the syndrome, but what's the evidence that Lincoln himself had Marfan's? You know, I think, and even to take that question even one step and step further is to say, you know, what evidence is there that he might have had a Marfanoid habitus? And Schwartz diagnosed Marfan's in Lincoln's distant relation based on that patient having arachnodactyly. But these days, Marfan's is really a genetic diagnosis in individuals who have a Marfanoid body type. And there are a number of genetic syndromes that can manifest with a Marfanoid habitus. So was Lincoln Marfanoid? I mean, the consensus seems to be that he was. You know, It's been noted that he was obviously very tall and thin. He had very long arms and fingers. He had a prominent chin. All of that can potentially be consistent with a Marfanoid habitus. Were there other physical features that had suggested that to people that he might have a Marfanoid habitus? You know, again, this is all circumstantial, but apparently there are detailed measurements available of Lincoln's feet, and they were quite flat, which can be seen in people with a Marfanoid body type. And it's, it's sort of amazing how much attention has been given to his physical features. But there's also the eponymous Lincoln sign, which is a physical exam sign, where someone's foot bobs with their pulse, um, sort of up and down with pulsatility. And it's been loosely associated with aortic insufficiency or aortic root aneurysms. And the sign is actually called Lincoln sign because Lincoln's foot reportedly bobbed with his pulse um, when it was sort of draped over, crossed over his knee. And you can actually see evidence of this where, you know, he's crossing his knees in photographs and his foot looks blurry. And that's been noted by others that perhaps this is sort of the sign of that. And he apparently noticed it himself when it was reported that he noticed his foot bobbing and when he was sitting there and he asked sort of, why does it do that? I definitely remember hearing about the foot bobbing and seeing pictures of of the blurry foot and being told that this was indicative of Lincoln having Marfan's. So, I mean, is that it? Is that this the genetic syndrome that you are offering us today? You know, again, I think the thought is he seems to have been circumstantially Marfanoid and a distant relative may have been as well. You know, but there's one piece of evidence that may, that may actually argue against Marfan syndrome specifically, and that is actually that Lincoln was fairly far-sighted. But most commonly, Marfan's patients are actually nearsighted due to the effects um, that can happen on the lens of the eye. And so, that being said, Marfan syndrome has variable penetrance, so it's certainly possible that he had Marfan syndrome and was also far-sighted. Sure. Okay, so Marfan's is on the differential, as is being tall and a little lanky. I thought I had heard about maybe someone tried to make the diagnosis of MEN2B or multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2B stick in my head by saying that Abraham Lincoln may have had it. Yeah, and absolutely. The possibility of multiple endocrine neoplasia type 2B or MEN2B has been raised as well. And that's actually what I sort of remember vaguely reading about when I was in medical school and learning about this syndrome, um, that he may have had it, that Lincoln may have had it. So this is an autosomal dominant cancer syndrome that also presents with Marfanoid features and medullary thyroid cancer. And this was proposed much more recently 
um, just back in 2007 by a physician named John Sotos, who laid out the theory of uh, that Lincoln had meant to be in his book called The Physical Lincoln. So what did that evidence look like? So, you know, Sotos angered his theory first in the Marfanoid habitus element, and he also examined pictures of Lincoln, and he theorized that the bumps that you can see around the president's mouth may have been mucosal neuromas, which is a commonly seen facial uh, feature in patients with Men2B. And he you know, referenced the observation that Lincoln's appearance and general physical wellness appeared to be rapidly declining in 1864 and 1865, the last year of his life. And he theorized that this perhaps represented metastatic cancer, which if present could fit with a cancer syndrome. And he actually later noted, Sotos himself later noted in a 2012 article in the journal Clinical Dysmorphology, that Lincoln's mother, Nancy Hanks Lincoln, also appeared to be physically marfanoid in her portraits. And you know, like Lincoln, she was tall and thin. She had very long hands and fingers that do actually look arachnodactylic, if that's even a word. And you know, he noted that she died of what was reported to be a wasting disease at age 34, and he proposed that this too could have represented advanced cancer. Did she have any signs of infection or like TB? I imagine would have been a common cause for wasting at the time. Yeah, it's a pretty big leap to say that the most likely source of her death was a rare cancer such as medullary thyroid cancer. And you know, the base rate of infection back in the 1800s was much much higher for infection than it would have been for something like this medullary thyroid cancer. You can also use a similar logic for Lincoln's physical decline at the end of the Civil War. I mean, he was under a tremendous amount of stress for crying out loud, right? The, the accelerated aging the president's experience seems to be a thing. And so, you know, we do have to I'm not sure we have to necessarily invoke rare cancers to explain his sort of physical decline at the end of his life. You mentioned the, the sort of bumps around Lincoln's mouth, which is until we began preparing for this episode, I hadn't actually heard much about this. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that plays into some of these theories? You know, it's um and the, you know the question is like were these actually mucosal neuromas? And it's really hard to say. I think it's possible, but honestly, who knows, right? It, it would be more convincing if we knew what Lincoln's tongue looked like, since having a morphinoid habitus and mucosal neuromas on the tongue would be pretty convincing for men to be, but we just don't know. And I guess no pictures captured what his tongue looked like, and I haven't seen that it was commented on in his physical descriptions from when he was alive, so we really don't know. All right, so linking it back to the intro here, we're coming up with an original theory that you have developed. So you've described other people talking about Marfans and men to be. What do you think is going on? So this diagnosis hasn't really been put out there before. And you know, we, we would be looking for a heritable genetic syndrome that's associated with Marfanoid features. And there actually is one that lines up with several of the physical features that Lincoln and several of his family members had, and that's Lois Dietz syndrome. And have either of you heard of this syndrome before? No, I have not. I um I like had a flashcard memory of it, but I think it was wrong, which was that it's a little more it's like Marfanoid or it's like similar to Marfan's disease, but that it um has like pulmonary aneurysms a little bit more frequently. Yeah, yeah. And so it's so it's a rare genetic syndrome with abnormalities in one of several genes affecting TGF beta function. And it has autosomal dominant inheritance. And it was actually only described as a unique syndrome just in 2005. So it's just very recently described. And it's a connective tissue disease. And in general, people with Lois Dietz syndrome can have vascular um, abnormalities, um, which we'll talk about, and um, including potentially pulmonary aneurysms, but even more commonly um, aortic ones, craniofacial abnormalities, skeletal abnormalities, um, and also skin issues. So what made you think about Lois Dietz for... Lincoln and his family members as a potential explanation for some of the findings that we've we've talked about already. 
So the first element, obviously, are the Marfanoid features that he had that we've already discussed. You know, the remarkably tall and thin stature, his flat feet, his long, thin fingers that look arachnodactylic. From a vascular standpoint, like we said, Lloyd's Deed syndrome patients, they're at risk for aortic aneurysms, and it can involve the aortic root leading to valvular regurgitation, just like Marfan syndrome patients can have. And you know, did Lincoln's pulsatile foot bobbing indicate that he had an aortopathy or an aortic valvular issue? You know, we don't know. But there are several physical features that he had that actually do fit quite well with Loisteed syndrome. And I think we could start with craniofacial first. So, you know, for one, Lincoln had, you know, he had, and this is sort of maybe my observation, but that his his eyes were sort of wide, a little bit wide set, and that's a phenomenon known as hypertillerism. And this isn't specific for Loisteeds, but it certainly um, is a commonly seen physical feature in that syndrome. Another really interesting potential link or clue is craniosynostosis, which is where someone has premature closure of one or more of the cranial sutures of the skull during infancy. And craniosynostosis is actually a hallmark physical feature in Loisteeds syndrome. Um, and a paper from 2010 in the Journal of Craniofacial Surgery noted that Lincoln himself very likely had a coronal suture craniosynostosis based on characteristic sort of facial asymmetry that he had relative elevation of the superior orbital rim on his left side, um, which is the side proposed to have this craniosynostosis. And this was from sort of examination of his portraits. And then he also had a plaster, um, ma- there was a plaster uh, mask made after his death. And the author of that paper, Ronald Fishman, examined the pictures of several of Lincoln's relatives and found evidence in nine individuals across five generations in the family with similar asymmetries and what he felt were likely premature cranial suture closures. All right. So all of the things that you described before, the aortopathy question, the height, the arachnodactyly, and then plus the hypertelorism and craniosynostosis are all potentially you're, you're, you're selling me on the Lois Dietz theory. Were there any other organ system involvements or anything else that could suggest Lois Dietz? So actually the skin, which is an organ too, right? So because of changes in the composition of connective tissue in Lois Dietz syndrome, they're known to have very soft and velvety skin. And Lincoln's post-mortem examination, it was mostly focused on the bullet wounds in the skull and his brain, but one of the physicians present, a surgeon named Edward Curtis, actually noted Lincoln's skin to be, and he quote, said, smooth and clear. And you know, Lloyd's, and so I thought that was interesting. And Lloyd's Dietz patients, they often have milia around their their mouth and their face. And as you know, if we recall those small bumps around Lincoln's mouth and lips, I mean, to me, when I look at that picture, they look a lot like milia to me. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if any of our dermatology friends out there agree. But again, perhaps some sort of circumstantial evidence that could be consistent with Lois Dietz. Yeah, I would be fascinating to hear what someone who had a little bit more experience with what these lesions look like in general, you know, whether or not they pair well with what um, the pictures of Lincoln's face looked like. Yeah, I mean, I. I think we should we'll post some pictures on the on the show notes and I think you know people can look for themselves and see if see what they think. Clearly all the things that we're talking about are heritable, right? You know, Marfan's MEN2B, Lois Dietz, they're heritable conditions and it sounds like in the case of Lincoln that multiple family members across generations in both Lincoln's family, but also the Hanks family, they had sort of morphinoid features and potentially even craniosynostosis. Is there any other evidence suggesting these traits are sort of across the Lincoln family? So one other common cranial facial feature of Lois Dietz syndrome are cleft palates. And Lincoln's fourth son, Tad, had a severe speech impediment. And this was well described by observers at the time, and it seemed to coexist with some other evidence of what 
we now would think of as developmental delay. And a speech pathologist named John Hutchinson did a detailed analysis of Tad Lincoln's reported speech patterns from what was observed at the time and published it in 2009 in the University of Illinois Press. And first of all, he noted that it's fairly certain that Tad had a cleft lip, and you can see that in his pictures. And of course, cleft lips do often coexist with other midline craniofacial abnormalities such as cleft palates. Now, we don't know whether or not Tad had a cleft palate, but Hutchinson made the case that he very likely did based on the observed patterns of his speech in combination with the existence of a cleft lip. So again, impossible to prove, but perhaps another piece of circumstantial evidence that supports the presence of Lloyd's Deed syndrome in the Lincoln family. You know, and one final point I'll make is that whether we're talking about Men2B, Marfans, or Lloyd's Deeds, they can all involve abnormalities in TGF beta. And so it sort of makes sense that these syndromes would comprise Lincoln's differential diagnosis. Also, just wow, I think I've learned more Lincoln family member names today <laughs> than I anticipated was uh, was likely to occur in this morning. So this is really fascinating. Has anyone thought, and clearly the Lincoln family has been studied in depth. So has anyone thought about like testing Abraham Lincoln's DNA? Like, ha- Is there any confirmatory testing? That would be the definitive way to answer these questions. And there actually is a fair amount of Lincoln's genetic material out there. The National Museum of Health and Medicine in Silver Spring, Maryland has a lock of his hair that was removed at his autopsy. They have bone fragments from Lincoln's skull that was used by the War Department as evidence um, as part of his uh, assassination investigation. They also have the bloodstained sleeve cuffs of Edward Curtis, who was a surgeon who described Lincoln's skin at his autopsy that we mentioned earlier. But you know, quite understandably, these have not been released for genetic testing. And the Secretary of War at the time of Lincoln's death, Edwin Stanton, famously said in the sort of moments after he passed away that, quote, now he belongs to the ages. And this is, of course, true, but that doesn't mean that we have the right to examine his DNA. But we can continue to speculate. <laughs> we can speculate all we want. Yeah. Um, so I think you've given us a broad differential diagnosis. How about uh, you give us some take-home points? Yeah. So the main differential diagnosis for Lincoln's appearance, physical appearance, involves perhaps a normal variant of a tall, lanky person, uh, Marfan syndrome, Men2B, and we're proposing Loisdeet syndrome. And so the, the theory we described in this episode explored Loisdeet syndrome as a novel explanation for his physical features, including Marfanoid habitus, craniosynostosis, possible milia around his mouth, and some physical features in several of his family members, including a possible cleft palate in his son, Tad, that could all be consistent with Loisdeet syndrome. So in the end, we don't really know. We never will. But it's certainly fun to speculate. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Curious Clinicians. Thanks, as always, for joining us. As a reminder, you can join our mailing list at CuriousClinicians.com to stay up to date on episode releases and have detailed notes delivered directly to your inbox. We're excited to partner with VCU Health to offer CME and MOC credits for physicians and other healthcare professionals just for listening to the episode. For more information, visit ce.vcuhealth.org slash curiousclinicians. And as always, the information contained in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Until next time, we've been the Curious Clinicians. Curious Clinicians.